Hello, this is Walter Latham, and thanks for joining the Walt Weekly. Uh, today's show, we want to discuss how black businesses can help each other. You know, what I don't understand is why Indians come over here, they help each other, they, they, they're able to to uh, create new businesses, Pakistanis come over here, Jews come over here, and they help each other, right? Okay, ramp up. And I don't understand why we can't do that. African Americans can't do that. Why? Why? Because we don't support each other, all right? That's a key thing. You know, we complain about we don't have a job here, we're not promoted here, we're not represented here. Why don't we create uh, companies and support companies, all right, that are African-American businesses, all right? But this show is primarily, and I'm going to pause here, we're going to talk about the top five ways minority-owned businesses should uplift and support each other headed into 2024. And this is part four of a series on financial wealth. And I'm going to turn it over to Michelle for the introduction, the proper introduction of Mr. Richardson. Go ahead, Michelle. Hello, welcome everybody, and welcome to the World Weekly Podcast. Uh, welcome to the show, financial advisor and CEO, Walter Richardson out of California. We appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. We look forward to rebroadcasting all of your previous episodes as well. This is part four, as Walter did say but we will be rebroadcasting them again as you've had so many um, great uh, episodes dealing with financial literacy and, uh, you know, single parents with literacy, financial literacy, and other uh, aspects of financial advisory. So we thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to hearing what's going on today on the show and you give him more of your expertise in the financial world. Welcome to the show, Walter, and Walter Latham Sr., our host. Uh, thank, thank you, you Michelle. Very much. All right. So, Walt, thank you so much. Uh, the information, knowledge that you provided over the last three episodes was just tremendous, and they were received that way. All right. So we want to stay on very informative. point. And turn it over to you. And today we're going to talk about how black businesses or minority businesses can help each other. All right. Well, um, you, you kind of hit me with a boulder there with that one because that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a big one. But that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. But I, I think, you know, through the study that I've done and through the books that I've read, um, the, the biggest way for any group to overcome financial despair is by sticking together, right? So we all know that you got to stick together. So then when you look at the African-American community, you have so many different churches. You got mm -hmm. the AME church, then you got the Baptist church, then you got the Christian church, then you got the the, uh, the Southern Baptist. It's all fragmented. It's all fragmented. Mm -hmm. Right. When you and, and, they, and they don't have a common cause. Right? So you look at what's going on in the Middle East now with Israel and Palestine. Mm -hmm. The Jewish, no, no matter what set of that Jewish community 
they all took an offering for the state of Israel. So in their synagogues and in their fundraising, they always had a separate pot for the state of Israel. Okay. Right? That is how a mastermind thinks. It's like, we, we may be fragmented, but what is our common goal? Now we got to put our, our, um, our, we have to put some money towards that common goal, right? One thing African-Americans haven't done, have not done, is, is find out what that common goal is. I'm glad you brought are that you up. Gonna, are you going to go back to Africa? Do you want to create a state in Africa? Do you want to create a state in the United States? And then you have to start collecting money to make that goal happen. Now, here's the other thing. In order to collect money, you have to save money, right? If every time you, you, you get some money, you, you want to go to the Bentley dealer or uh, go get a Lamborghini or, you know, one thing about our culture is you look at all entertainment cultures. You look at the white entertainment culture, the white athlete, the white uh, singer, the white pop star. I never see them wasting money. I'm not going to say they don't waste money, but they don't have two million dollars worth of chains around their neck. Right. They don't have. They don't have. You know, the the rarest of the rare Lamborghini sitting out front. They don't have. Mm -hmm. the, the expenses aren't that high, and and then that goes back to a psychology of people who never had anything that want to show people that now I have something. Right. Well, when you're rich used people to don't having money, show. I'm sorry. Rich people don't necessarily no, have to show that they're no. rich. And that that's, that's, that brings me to the millionaire next door. There's a book called mm -hmm. The Millionaire Next Door. Here's a guy who drove the same car his whole life, lived in his house. His house is paid off. Has inherited different properties from different family members. They're all paid off has put his money back into um, stock dividend, dividend paying stock uh, portfolios that have compounded interest. You know, since the seventies, he's compounded interest. This, this hypothetical person has compounded interest to the year 2000. So that, so just to give you an idea to your listeners, compounding is when you get your dividend and you buy more stock and every time you get a dividend, you're buying more stock. And then the more stock you buy, the bigger dividend you get. And then that keeps being reinvested and reinvested until you, you know, are really making a significant amount of money on your dividends. Okay. So we, I mean, in a nutshell, we don't have a plan. I was listening to a, a, a an economist talk about how long the dollar stays in the African-American community. He said the dollar stays in the Indian community the longest. Um, the, 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 the Asian, Asian, the Indian, the Asians from India, I should say, uh, mm. in their community, the longest, which is almost, I think he said it was at more than a month. It wrote, in other words, you get paid, you go to your grocery store. The grocery store gives that money to their kids. Their kids puts that money in the, in the Bank of India. 
And then the Bank of India gives a loan out to an Indian uh, store owner who might need a loan. That store owner buys his goods from another Indian exporter, exporter, importer to get the goods to bring in. And they sell goods that only the people in that culture want because they come straight from India. So now his customers. Are, so that money is rotating in that community for over a month. The, the dollar comes into the African-American community. I, I thought he was crazy. I think he said it lasts six hours. What? Six hours. Six yeah. hours? Think, think about it. When Yo. you get paid, what's the first thing you do? I pay my my mortgage, my you know my utilities, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And then, okay. Are there any black mortgage companies? Nope. So you already gave the bulk of yours away. No. To, to right, right. I mean, I, I mean, this is just real. This is just reality. Right? Um, we had, I think it was a George Washington Carver Bank in Harlem. You remember that bank? Yes, yeah. I do. I do. I know. At one time, they went out of business. Right. Or they filed for bankruptcy. Right. Right. So how are you going to have a you got a bank in the middle of the African-American community and nobody's going to it. Nobody's patronizing. Right. Nobody's patronizing. Right. So we got a lot of trust issues and and we take a lot of risks also. Right. Um, The numbers man used to come through the neighborhood. Right. Yes. You put your money on the number. You wouldn't even think about it. Yes, in a heartbeat. Right? Yeah, in a heartbeat, right? That man collected so much money in numbers that they were killing each other to to represent that black neighborhood. Those Italians that were running those numbers, they were killing each other for that territory. Yeah. There was so much wealth in that territory, but the wealth only mattered when you put it together. Right. So right. me collecting ten dollars from him is not a big deal. Me collecting ten dollars from him is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, me collecting ten from him, 20 from him, 30 from him. Right. And then you start getting 100 people every week bringing you that money. That's a territory that they were they were murdering each other over that territory. Because they were taking okay. that money back to their community. Right. Right. So we didn't even run our own numbers. No, we didn't. Yeah, because right. at the end of the day, there was the Italians that were behind the, the Italians run it. Like yeah, they ran it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. So the fragmentation of thought of the way we think is what's holding us back. Uh, another thing is the opportunity. Like I always preach the opportunity in the stock market because that's what I know and that's what I do. And one thing I like about the stock market is unlike real estate, you don't have to manage it. You don't, you're not going to get any calls at night because the heat doesn't come on or the hot water doesn't work or the pipes burst. You're going to invest. And then somebody who's smarter than you is going to run the company and pay your dividends. Right. Right. Like if you were to, if you, if you put 300,000 in Home Depot 10 years ago, think about it. Home Depot is not, it's not, a risky, it's not technology. They're just buying, they're just selling people materials and contractors materials to build homes and, and buildings. Right? Okay. And it, it, it's grown because our real estate market grew. 
the expansion of our country has happened and it's still going on. Yeah, well, to look at it from a, I don't mean to be negative, but, you know, with all the, the climate change and the weather, historically bad weather flooding, hurricanes and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need building materials and all this kind of stuff. So Home right. Depot is a bellwether stock, right? Yeah, and, and the technology to build a home has changed too, right? Um, shoot, I watched them put up a neighborhood in about three weeks. A whole neighborhood. Because yeah. the material's lighter, right? The material's lighter. It's supposedly more uh, uh, greenhouse efficient, right? Mm. Um and they could build the houses a lot faster, right? Um, yeah, but how durable so, is that? And how long will they last? I don't know. <laughs> don't you don't know, take my words for it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in the stock market. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I'm just saying, like it's going up so fast, and you got all these other but, but buildings that have been up that, for over a hundred years and have just fallen down now. Right. right. I don't know how strong that material is, or, or what have you. But I know if I invest in Home Depot, who's selling that material, that's mm -hmm. that's what I'm worried about. Am I going to make yeah, a return yeah. on my investment? You know, um, solar panels, more lightweight tiles for roofs. Um, right. Like I said, more ener energy efficient material. Home Depot, Lowe's, right. right? But what we we I was in I was in a firm talking to a guy one day. And he was telling me about his Filipino father-in-law. And he told his Filipino father-in-law what he did. He's a stock, uh, a stock analyst. And he worked for one of the major companies. And the Filipino father-in-law said that that's, you know, that, that market is not for us. That's not for us. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And then I thought, I said, you know, I've heard the same thing in my community. That that's not for us. When the stock well, market is not for us. That's not for us, right? Uh, that's right. that's the that's the other man's way of making money. We we never make money in the stock market. And I and I realize what it is is that we don't know how to invest. We don't know how to invest, and it goes back to what we were talking about last week, where we said the poorest people take the biggest risk, right? That's why all my clients get a financial plan and we do a, the first thing we do is a risk tolerance. I need to see what your risk tolerance is with some honest answers on a questionnaire. Most people think they're Oh, I could take this. I can. Most people know. No, most people are conservative. Most people are conservative. I would probably say 80% of your African-American investors are conservative investors, maybe even mm -hmm. 90. In other words, you shouldn't be taking unnecessary risk um, because either you have kids, you have a family, you have ob other obligations. So the question was, what can we do to basically get out of the rut we're in? I think it starts with the churches. And I think it starts with the churches. And I think it starts with the uh we need some type of leadership that says, this is our goal. Either we're going to open a, a, some banks or we're going to uh, support a state in Africa, some type of statehood for African-Americans or something 
to that nature, we have to have a goal. Then we can start saving and putting our money towards that goal. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, buying uh, me and my mother and my brother, we bought at least one Mercedes for a pastor. Okay. Okay. When you when 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 your money goes to a church, and the only thing you see come out of it is some paint, uh, one or two new pews, and this brother pulls up in a new Mercedes. There, there's your there's your uh, there's your financial <laughs> your financial your financial future is dro just drove away in that Mercedes. You're right about that. You know, You're absolutely right. So, you know, there was a show on TV and it was about the Los Angeles pastors. I don't know if you saw it. It was a reality show. No. Did, did you see it, Michelle? Um, I'm not sure if I did or not. No, I don't think so. These, these guys every week. Oh, did you see my new car? Come up in a new Bentley. Got a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. One of them wasn't married. He was dating this girl. It's like, well, wait a minute, guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this about pastors or ballers? Yeah. You know, yeah. I I'm just saying, where, where mm -hmm. are we leading our people to? Right. We don't have, we got three people on this podcast right now. Neither one of us know what is the goal for the African-American. We don't know. Mm. Well, they're, they're personalized. You know, our goals they're are personalized. personalized. They're not spread out across. You know, right, 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 right. Yeah, I back always to say professor. something that's funny, okay. people. It gives you something to think about. You have your average black person that'll have a Louis Vuitton bag that costs them $5,000. They don't own a home. They live in the projects. And in that bag, they only have $100. You have a rich person that has a plastic bag with $5,000 in it. That shows you the difference with your priorities. We are so materialistic. Yeah. We don't invest in ourselves. We don't invest in our own businesses. We don't invest in our future or our children or education. You know, a Louis Vuitton bag, there's, what is that? You can't live in it. You just spent five grand on it. So the priorities are backwards. I know another guy, he's a correction officer, makes a ton of money. He has a, the, I guess, the lowest version of a Maybach, but it's a Maybach. Mm -hmm. And guess where it's parked? What the hell is he doing with a Maybach? Did it, guess does where he have a parked? garage in the park it in? It's parked in front of where the projects, where he oh lives. Yeah. You don't own a yeah. house. So it's, it's, it's something with, with black people that we don't, that we, we devalue ourselves. We don't think about future we don't think about investing for our, ourselves in ourselves and our children for anything like they just live in for the, that moment yeah but michelle how did that get started though i mean i think listening to you and walter is that we, we we're going to circle back to the family and what the takeaways are uh that the kids get from the family yeah, right. I think that's that's what we got to look at. Right. right? And so everything boils back down to to the family. I mean, what are their value system? Okay, mm -hmm. I, I can take my kids, for instance, and say, okay, 
you know, look at me. I bought my first BMW when I was 15 years right. old, when they both were in college. I didn't buy it prior to then. I right. bought a, a, a car to go to work in. But right. when I went away to school, I wanted to do something for myself. So I treated mm -hmm. myself. Right. And I think that we always should have the mindset that we have to instill in our kids what is value and how that value, and I'm talking about tangible value. Tangible value, yeah. Right, that we could pass on to our kids and make their lives better than ours. So I think we have to just go back. What do you think, Walt? Yeah, this is part of our history, you know. Not having, not I should. Yeah, like, like we said last week, um, it starts at home. It starts mm -hmm. at home, but I still think we need organizations. Um, I don't know if, if we can get the churches to all think on the same level, but we need to figure out what it is we're doing. There's no reason why a, a, a bank like Carver Bank right. couldn't have, you know, a, a, a good business. It's a great, it's a great, you know, it's a great idea, but we, we don't, we, you know, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. we don't, I, we we don't like credit. each other. We don't like we each don't. other. Yeah, no, we don't. That, we don't. That, we don't trust each other. That's, that's, key <laughs> that's a power driver comment there because you bring but it you something know, you've, home. You've had, we've had trust issues from going back we to don't um, like each other. pyramids, you know, Ponzi schemes. We, we would do all of that stuff within our own community trying to help each other out. I mean, this goes back way, way back. You know, yeah. to the you know beginning of times with us, where we would always try to help each other, but you know the person that's in charge is ripping us off. You know, <laughs> so it's it's we don't trust each other financially. But, you but know, who's in really, charge, we, financially, but who's in charge? yes, we we have a hard time trusting each other. We have a hard time absolutely. trusting, each other, which is sad. Yeah. So okay, so you can't trust a stranger. Trust yourself. Invest in yourself. Well, well, well. well there's, listen, we, we, we can go back to like these Ponzi schemes. Mm -hmm. uh, we can go back to these, uh, these pyramid schemes right. that run through, rampant through the community. And I would just say this to your listeners, whatever money you put, first of all, the risk, the risk of that, no matter what anybody tells you, when somebody says, give me this cash, I'm going to put you on here. You're going to start here. We're going to go. The risk mm -hmm. of you ever getting your money back is higher than anything else. You will probably lose your money. Right. right? So why wouldn't you go down to Carver Bank and mm -hmm. ask someone for some advice? Give because me some investment advice. We have a stigma with white people. We trust them more than we trust our own. Okay. That's fine. Why can't you go down to JP Morgan and find you a good white banker or black mm -hmm. banker? Cause they hire black people there too. Sure. Right. And ask for some advice. Listen, the, the funny thing about the business I'm in is that we give advice. We charge for our advice. Right. But if someone were to come in and say, hey, my neighbor said that if I give them $5,000 for this, and this is the paperwork they gave me, we would look at it for them. 
even if they weren't mm -hmm. a client. And we would tell them our opinion. Can't give you advice, but I'll tell you my opinion. Right. This is a scam. Now, right. the problem with that is they leave my office and they say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And they go, put the money in there anyway, <laughs> lose the money, yep. and yep. never think twice about it. They'll listen to someone else before they take the advice of you, from you. Right. I know a few people like that, you know. One of them, like a female, always been gullible as long as I've known her. And I would tell her, you know, you got to research. Do your research first, you know. And I say, anyone that's in Silicon Valley, that, that's already known as like a scammer's town. You know, everybody's coming right. out of Silicon Valley. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a... Uh, yeah. A, a average thing With that some everybody type of new, right. it's some type of new thing and and you know i get on this call with her the first two minutes of it i had googled everybody <laughs> you know oh yeah you, know, you, powerful powerful thing, yes. you know and i'm texting her like these people are scamming oh well i want to hear more why okay you know and then I thought about her. You background. haven't heard enough? <laughs> right, you haven't heard you haven't enough. Heard enough already. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm like, she's like, oh, give it some time. And then, you know, everybody has these stories. And, and the first thing they say, oh, you know, I bought a house, I got a car, I have this, I have that. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is materialistic. And I'm like, as soon as somebody starts with those stories, I get turned off. So, you know, at the end of the day, I hung up and then she calls me the next day. Oh, you didn't give these people an opportunity. I said, well, I'm going to send you an email on everything I found out about them people within a 10 minute period, the first 10 minutes. That's why I kept quiet. And then I asked a question and she didn't even, the lady skipped over, you know, what I asked her. She, you know, I said, she just tried to play me with a whole story and you didn't even answer my right. question. So my thing is, if you can't give me a straight answer, I'm not messing with you. And then, you know, I sent it to her. Oh, where'd you find that? I said, everybody, everything can be Google. You got to use your common sense. I said, these people are not invested. That's a pyramid. It's a pyramid. I said, you didn't pick that up, that it's a pyramid? Oh, no. Right. That, that, I, I said, okay, I, I got to go. <laughs> I've been in, you know, so many different things that would, you know, turn out to be pyramids that I could see it coming a mile before you even open your mouth. I could see right. it coming. But the thing of it is, we will invest in a total stranger with all these scams and get rich quick. That well, all of the key. money that you just wasted, you could have just invested in yourself. Yeah. Or, black, yeah, or another black-owned business. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle. Give it to, you know, you got financial advisors that are uh, African-American minorities. Why don't you just go to one and all? But you'd rather deal with someone that doesn't have a degree, no experience, and just telling you a whole bunch of mess to convince you that this is going to work. Instead of going right. to someone legally, handing over your money to a legitimate business to make money for yourself. And that's what turns me off about our community. We are ready to listen to a scammer before we listen to a professional. Well, I think that tracks back to the viewpoint. You know, what viewpoint do you have? Yeah. Uh, I was telling my granddaughter this week, I went to visit my, one of my granddaughters and my younger son. And I was telling her, uh, there was a, some, something that caused, caused me to tell her this. I think it had to be her homework being late or something like that. And I said, hey, there's no excuse. Mm -hmm. 
I don't care whether you go to Taekwondo or whatever you do. Your, your schoolwork comes first. And another thing, nothing good in life comes free. All right? There's no free. If you see that it's too good to be true, then it's not for you. Period. Right. All right? And that, that mindset of trying to get rich quick, I'm going to take a short shortcut, and this and that, nothing substitutes for hard work, dedication, and focus. Right. Nothing, separate, nothing, nothing substitutes for that. And that's what I told her. So hopefully she's eight years old. When she gets 18, 28, 38, she, it'll kick in. But hopefully way before and, then. I hope it kicked in now. And, but uh, it may have gone a little bit above her head. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I also want to make a, a kind of like a public service announcement to your listeners. Okay. So the firm's that are out there, the J.P. Morgan, Chase, the Wells Fargo's, the Morgan Stanley's, the Citibank's, um, and even some credit unions. They have African-American financial advisors there. They have hired them. They want your business. They, they're, they're going out of business because they don't have enough clients, right? They want your business. They want you to call them. They want, you know, ask them questions about whatever it is you're doing. Research right. them. Go on Google. Go on FINRA. Go on Broker Check. Research this person. There are so many good African-American male and female that have gone to business school, got their MBAs. Some of them are even JDs that have come mm. into this business, that have come into this business, and they want your business. But right. for some reason, for some reason, DJ Envy and Caesar can oh, get, boy. you know, 90, <laughs> $90 million of your money. But you got these people who are certified, well, are registered and educated to handle your money. And you won't even, you, you won't even go in and interview. You right. know, interview these people, find out what they're about, find out if it's for you. Right? right. Before you hand your money over to, you know, remember Father Divine. Remember these people? <laughs> remember uh, yeah. uh, who was the other guy up on 170 75th Street? Uh, actually, it was uh, what was that pastor's name up on yeah. 170? I want to say 106. Uh, what was that? 171st and Broadway. Mm-hmm. What was that pastor's name? I, know I had an aunt that would go, yeah, she would go up there one, every year. She'd go give him a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Um, can't think of his name. But, but yeah. you know, oh, that kind know. of trickery, we're, we're attracted to that kind of trickery. You know? Right. Because uh, for some reason, they give them hope, thinking that, oh, you're going to get rich. They don't want to put in the time. You know, uh, prosperity, like prosperity preaching, prosperity. they called it. They call it prosperity yeah. preach. Yeah. And nothing yeah, happens overnight. Everything takes time. It's, it's, you got to go in for the long haul. There's no such thing as getting rich quick. Somebody's going to get rich quick because you're dumb behind invested. At your and expense. Bought, and you brought 10 more right. people in to get them rich. And at the end of the day, you're poor. You're waiting for your share to come around. And it right. doesn't. So people no. got to know the difference, you know, that there's no such thing. I just like invest in yourself. 
Stop building Absolutely. up these people. Do your research, which is an another thing. Like we are too lazy. We don't want to research stuff. You know, right. and and oh, my Brother. sister made this amount. My sister made this amount. You know, another friend of mine. Oh, I wish I'd have got into that Bitcoin thing. You know, one of her sons made twenty thousand. The other one lost everything. <laughs> you right. know, right. That's the game. That is that's the game. the game. Yep. But you know, because that pastor's, you name, that pastor's name was Reverend Ike. Oh yeah, I was thinking of Price. I just uh, Reverend Price. Yeah, Reverend, Reverend Ike. Ike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him. Always, always had a Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. Always had a Rolls Royce. In, in one of the poorest communities in the country, they're they just giving them the money. Giving them the money. Always had a nice white suit on, Rolls Royce, diamond ring. <laughs> mm -hmm. I used to like him, too. I yeah. like Reverend Knight. I used to watch, my grandmother used to watch it, and she would get that envelope See? out and send that money. See? I said, Ma, don't you know he's, he's scamming you? And she it's said, hey, look, when I send this money, I'm sending it to the Lord. What he does with it, meaning Reverend Ike, that's, that's he's going to have to deal with that upstairs. But her intentions of sending that money was for, you know. Now imagine if she, if, imagine, so you talking about your grandma, right? right? So let's go back. Let me see what was that. Imagine if she put that money in Lockheed Martin. Uh, Lockheed we, Martin. She wasn't, nah, back then, we didn't even, we didn't even know, know anything that. about stocks. I know that, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah. If she had put that money in Lockheed Martin and it kept rolling and, the, and those dividends kept buying more stock, that'd be over a million dollars right now. Can I, can I interject one so, thing before you go? Hold on. What, my, my point in bringing that up is that we do have the capacity to make this happen. Right. We, we do have the funds in our community to make this happen. We just going we're going about it the wrong way. Right? right. And I'm not saying just invest in the stock market. There's other things in the community you can invest in also. Right. Right. But we're just going about it the wrong way. If we could funnel that money to where it's supposed to go, we'd have some of the most beautiful neighborhoods, some of the most well-behaved mm -hmm. kids. We'd uh we'd live a, l a little better than we're living now, and um, Wall Street back. Right. Well, that's when we have our own. We have control over most things within our community. Mm -hmm. Until that time, you know, we, we we're like stuck. We're in limbo. Yeah. So look at Tulsa. I mean, look at Tulsa. Walk the Wall Street, the Black Wall Street in Tulsa that was destroyed because they were doing so well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. We have we have the financial wherewithal, we have the money, we have everything except for the guidance. We're hard workers. That this is another thing. That stereotype about black people being lazy. That is so far from the truth. Um if we were so lazy, why why did they enslave us? Huh? Right. And how did we survive when the Indians couldn't survive and other people they tried to slave, they couldn't survive. But we did. But, we, you know, they say I heard somebody say something the other day about how lazy black people were. I was like, do you know who built that Capitol building? I was, I was hoping you would go there. Yes. You know, do you, do you know, who, do you know who built basically Washington, D.C.? I mean, 
Do you know who built this country? This is built on the backs of our forefathers. Absolutely. That's why we shouldn't be going okay. anywhere. Right. And that's why we got to figure out where we're going to put this money and what, and, and what are we going to do? You know, what, what is the goal? You know, what is the goal? Okay, so there's let's no, circle back. There's, circle there's back. no reason a couple of years ago Howard University didn't they, they they were they were done. They were running out of money. Okay. That should never happen. They put they put Howard University puts more black doctors in this country than any other university. Hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Walt. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the Walt Weekly looks to add value to people's lives, and that's through information and the sharing of knowledge, right? So we are very happy, you know, to, to and pleased that we had a listener and a, a major supporter of the Walt Weekly open his own online bank. He has an online bank. Do you know what it takes? I know you know what it takes to open a bank. And he based, you know, he was listening to an episode that we did with uh, Ray McGuire, who was the co-chairman at Citibank. Mm -hmm. I know you heard of him. Yes. All right. He was the guy that ran against uh, the mayor that we have now. But mm -hmm. he, he just rolled out his online bank, and he said he was inspired by the Walt Weekly, the guests, of, you know, having uh, Ray McGuire on, on the show. And it just motivated him to say, look, let me open my own bank. All right. He has a similar background to me. He's a project manager, you know, international banking, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. But he backed up and said, let me open my own bank. That was like two years ago, year and a half, two years ago. And he attributes that, that motivation, that incentive to open his own bank from the Walt Weekly Show and the guests that we've had on the show. That's good work. That's good work. And that's hope we hope to inspire some people to use his bank, right? Yes. And also yes. research and find other African Americans that are licensed that either have a bank or work for a major bank or someplace where uh, you can get some good advice for your money. Whether I mean, even if you're buying real estate or whatever it is you want to do, you should sit and talk with a financial advisor somewhere at an accredited institution, somebody who's licensed, somebody who has some experience and get your questions answered because to try to do this alone is a bad idea. I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's a bad yeah, idea. And there's studies, I can see you a study from Forbes that says the most successful uh, retail clients in, in the marketplace are ones that use a financial advisor. Um, and, and the reason uh, I shouldn't tell this secret, here's a secret. Uh -oh. The reason, the reason why is because the client is too greedy. And a lot of times we have to pull the client back and say that risk is not for you. Right. You don't know how many people I've spoken to who trade their own accounts and now they're, they're, they're done. They're, they're oh, broke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because they took unnecessary risks. You know, so so the big part of my job is to say, hey, look, this is your risk tolerance, right? With your bills and, and your mortgage, everything you have to pay, plus the amount of money that you make, your, your income, right? 
and your age. How many years do you have to make up for loss? Right? This is your risk tolerance. Here's your portfolio that we've created for you that will keep you within this risk tolerance. Right? Then people will say, well, how come I don't have this? Or somebody told me about this. First of all, who is this person? <laughs> right? Who is this person that's telling you about this? And if they told you they made this much money off of this, tell them to show you their statement. Not one person that I told that to has come back and said, here's my friend's statement. He made $100,000. Not one. Because yeah, the, person they were talk the person they were talking to was a liar. That's why. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to tell you how much money they lost. Yeah, yeah. Because I always wonder, well, is that you have these guys prognosticating on the markets. You know, we're, we're, we're long in this particular stock. We short over here. You know, bonds are good and, you know, the yields are great, blah, blah, blah. But they, they can't, I mean, what about their personal wealth? I mean, can they show me that they got, a, you know, a big house? They, you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, here's the thing. Those guys, I can hear by your language, these guys that you're talking about probably on CNBC or Bloomberg. Yeah, 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 when, exactly. When they're talking, they didn't tell you that I'm running a $3 billion equity fund. Mm-hmm. So when I take this position here, and I didn't tell you how much of a position I took because I don't think they're allowed to on TV, but they say, yeah, we have a position in that stock or we have a small position in that stock or we have a large position. That they're not telling you that out of the $3 billion, they may have 1% in that stock. Ah, uh, okay. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So, and they own a whole, they're also not telling you that we own 100 stocks. And what do you, what's we own take hundred stocks. Take away yeah. from me is they diversified. We are so diversified that when I tell you I have a small position in this stock, unfortunately, some people on TV go, okay, I'm putting all my money in that stock. Well, guess what? <laughs> that, that guy on TV, he doesn't have all his money in that stock. Yeah, and they don't tell you He's about like one or two percent to reduce the risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they, they're, running, they're running a billion dollar, two billion dollar portfolio. So they can do that. I can take a position in here, and if I lose that one percent of my three billion dollars, I'm fine because I made it up over here. Yeah, yeah. But you, you're hearing it. So, oh, he said this stock was good. Let me put my money in that. And then when you lose it, you go, "How am I losing?" And he's winning. <laughs> well, two reasons why he's winning. One, he made so much money on this other stock that he, the loss is actually good for him. Yeah, but then he's going to write the loss against right. the game. Yeah, right. So, so if he loses on that 1% stock that he took a heavy risk on, it's not a big deal. I'll just write the loss down against the gain that I have over here. Yep. Yep. That's right. So, so when you watch these shows, don't just react and say, I'm going I'm to buy that. Call an advisor. Tell them how much money you have in total. Let them know how much money you make, let them know all your liabilities. This is how you invest the right way, right? Once we know your liabilities and your income and, and, your, and your, uh, your net worth. Your net worth, yeah. Right? Now I can tell you, how much did you want to put in that? 
You want to put 50,000 in that? No, you can't do that. 50,000 is 75% of your investable income. This guy has 1% in, in there. You want to put 75% of your investable income in there. It's not, no. And that's where the retail consumer loses. Watching CNBC and Bloomberg and this other stuff. This, this is well, how they you know lose. what I heard. I know what I heard, uh, Walt. Is that a lot of companies like E-Trade, and I, I use the E-Trade platform to do my own personal mm -hmm. trading, all right? But they would take uh, an opposite, since they, they are a receiver, what you call their platform, okay? If they see a lot of, let's say, sales on one side from their mm -hmm. retail customers, they would take the opposite position, all right, and vice uh -huh. versa. That's what I've heard. They're not, they're, they're not allowed. They're not allowed to do that. Okay. They're not allowed to do that. That's against the law. That's against the, uh, what is that? That's against the SEC rules. That's against, yeah, you, you, they can't do that. They can't do that. Um, what you might see is they already had that position. You know, they already had that position. One thing I will tell you is that when a stock comes to the marketplace before you see it on the New York Stock Exchange or on the NASDAQ. So many deals have been made on that stock. And some of them will include um, warrants that people don't know what a warrant is. They'll include warrants. They'll include. Um, sometimes they could include. Uh, Restricted stock, preferred stock, things of this nature. So that when this comes out, when this hits the marketplace, a lot of times the money's been made already. But firms can't buy against their customers or their clients. Um, that, that, that would be considered insider trading and that wouldn't, that wouldn't be advisable. You're still muted, Walt. Okay. Sorry about that, Walt. Yeah, somebody at the no front problem. door. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So I know your sound editor is going to pick this up. All right. This is at 40, yeah, say, 46 it. minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. just put a note. Just send them a note. All right. This is at 47. Okay. 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 Got it. All right. So you can continue. Yeah, I was just saying that. Um, Firms can't buy against their retail customers. So if they saw something happening in one way, they just can't go in and start buying in the other direction uh, to create an un, unfair marketplace. Um, you know, most of the time, there are short sellers out there that could, you know, alter the price of a stock. 
Um, there's a movie out right now. I think it's called Easy Money about the GameStop situation. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I heard of that. Yeah. So the funny thing about the GameStop situation is that it shows investors that if investors were to stick together, they could overcome uh, the big institutional money, you know, the big institutional money that's out there. Because uh, GameStop was, they were basically going bankrupt until this one one uh, social media trader said he was buying GameStop and he saw, you know, some big outlook for it and everybody dumped their money in GameStop. GameStop. And it went up. A lot of people made a lot of money. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Absolutely. You know, in the stock market, if there's winners, there's losers. There's always somebody on the other side of the trade. There's somebody on the other side, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, Walt. So do you have anything that you want to uh, share with our listeners? Besides, well, I mean, the important stuff that you already spoke about, yeah, but what would be something that you want my listeners to take away? Well, one thing I want them to take away is, as I repeated before, you know, I, I was lucky enough to represent uh, some of the major firms at some different events. And, the only, and, and, and a lot of what I heard from the African-American advisors was that they just couldn't get enough clients. And no matter how much good advice they gave people, no matter how nice they treated people and, and, and the things they did for people without charging them, uh, they just couldn't get clients to uh, commit. And they would look over, you know, across the hall at the other guy and these African-Americans would be walking in to, to their office, you know, no big deal. Go, go, go work with this guy. Um, and so a lot of firms have tried to help African-Americans become more successful in uh, the brokerage space. It's, it's a very hard space. I don't know why I chose it because it's, it's got to be one of the toughest careers out there. Oh, yes. But um, I like working with people. Um, most of the advisors that, that I met that, were Afri that are African-American, they love working with people. They love to help. They love to, uh, to teach. Um, I would say the fact that there is somebody tomorrow morning that is African-American with an MBA, Masters of Business Administration, a Series 7 license, a Series 63 license, a Series 65 license, a life insurance and annuity license, they are sitting in an office tomorrow at some of your best firms, the JP Morgan Chases, the Wells Fargo's, the Morgan Stanley's, the Goldman Sachs, the Citibank. They are sitting in these firms. And there are African-Americans out here in this space that have retired and their retirement funds went to uh, TIA. Right. Yeah, to craft, yeah. Right. And their retirement funds go to different places where they will assign you an advisor. You're being assigned an advisor. You don't know this person. For some reason you trust this person because your retirement fund sent it to this place and they just assigned somebody. 
an unknown person to you, they call you on the phone, they say, Mrs. So-and-so, I'm your advisor. I don't know you. And you trust them and you work with them. Let me tell you something. Go on the internet, find a bank that you bank with or a firm that you feel is uh, reputable and find an African-American financial advisor and look at their credentials and ask yourself, would I rather work with this person or this unknown person on the phone? Just ask yourself that. Then, if you want to take it a step further, set an appointment and go meet this person and interview them for yourself and find out, is this the type of person I could work with or would I rather work with this stranger on the phone? Yep. It, it's, it, it's that simple. And I say that because so many African-American advisors fail in this business simply because they don't get enough traction. You don't get enough traction. They're not, no one is calling them, asking them for advice. No one is uh, re referring them. No one is interviewing them. At least interview the person. At least see, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not going to use them at all, but I want to hear what they're about. You know? But we, we just, we, we, we have to play catch up on it. All right. We have to play catch up. Okay, well, so, I mean, you're one of those guys, but you, you happen to be the CEO of your investment firm. And, uh, you know, in speaking to you and interviewing you, and this is part four of our financial wealth management series, that how do, I mean, I'm, I may be interested in, in investing with you because you're an investment manager, all right? You're a portfolio manager, investment manager, and also you're the boss. So how will people, which is the best way for people to contact you if they're considering a place to park their money for growth? Well, richardsonwealthmanagement.com. Uh, use the website. There's a lot of information on there for you. There's some calculators on there for you. And there's also a contact us on there for you. Um, I'm Walt at richardsonwealthmanagement.com. Send me an email. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Yelp. <laughs> All right. Yep. I, I, yeah. I'm, and, and, and like I said, it doesn't have to be me, right? You can find an African American in your community. If you, I, I, I trust me, I have clients in Indiana. I have clients in New York. I have clients all over the United States, but I would just say interview people. If you're going to buy a house, interview a financial advisor. If you're going to buy a new car, interview a financial advisor. You don't have to use them, but interview them. Get your brain in a, in a space where you know what advice is and you know how to receive it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Walt. All right. Um, to add to Walt, there's no really nothing much. He's the expert. Uh, fortunately, we were glad to have him, you know, for four episodes. And I want to thank you on behalf of Michelle and myself for being on the Walt Weekly and sharing this valuable information. And I encourage everybody to listen to what Walt said. Take that advice 
And when you get into a situation where you have to do, you have everybody should invest, okay? But if you think about investing, I want you to reach out to uh, Walt Richardson Investments, okay? And the, the, the information, the contact information will be in the show notes of this show. And I would like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, we, we love you guys. And please uh, love our podcast. I mean, subscribe to our podcast, like our podcast, and share our podcast because we deal in information. We don't deal in nonsense. We deal in information. And uh, if you want to contact us, it's thewaltweekly at gmail.com. You can visit our Facebook page, The Walt Weekly. And also on Instagram. So we're, we're across social media platforms. We're there. Okay. So look out for the Walt Weekly coming to you soon. All right. As usual, every Sunday at 3 p.m. All right. Thank you, Walt.